Shalom. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. For those of you online, good evening to you as well. Uh, thank you for coming back. Good to see all of you uh, on site again. And today we have a special guest among us. Let me acknowledge our honorary pastor, Pastor Calvin and Caris. Come, let's stand. Let's, let's welcome them. Good to have you with us, Pastor Calvin and Caris. Good to have you back with us. Now today I will take the opportunity to address the issue of Section 377A, a, a hot topic, right? Especially uh, since the last National Day rally. For those of you who have questions, we will handle the closed-door Q&R later. Now I'm aware of the heavy online traffic on this matter, given the activist effort to champion for and of course against 377A. And my intent today is not to further polarize the issue, but to lead Grace Assembly beyond Section 377A. Now, for those of you who are new to us or new with us, we have already stated our position on the issue of LGBTQ uh, in our sexuality series in May and June, if you recall. You can visit our YouTube channel to understand more about this topic and our posture in, in this area. So I would not uh, repeat that. So if you want to know more about it, go back to our May uh, preaching series on sexuality. Now, in a National Day rally, our Prime Minister, Mr. Lee, gave reasons for the repeal for 377A. And our posture should, should be one that looked beyond the repeal of 377A and take a forward approach to what will happen to Singapore in the next decade when there is no 377A. And my big idea for today is this. Preserving godly values begins with God's people and, with God in, and in God's family. Preserving godly values begins with God's people and in God's family. Now to begin, I will start with the definition of 377A to align all of us to the crux of the issue and its historical development in Singapore. So just in case you're wondering what is Section 377A, let me begin. Section 377A is under the penal code and it states this, any male person who in public or private commits or abets, or abets the commission of or procures or attempts to procure the commission by any male person of any act of gross indecency with another male person shall be punished with imprisonment for a term which may extend to two years. Now, how many of you, you don't understand what he's talking about? Some of you, right? Why? Because you notice that even the, the written English itself sounds a little bit foreign to us, right? Because it's written, uh, and I'll tell you the history later, right? it's written many, many years ago, and it sounds, uh, it's written in, uh, in really, 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 I call it Queen's English, right? So just in case you're wondering, well, Pastor, what is this? Abets the commission of basically giving permission, assistance, encouragement, right? So basically, it, it talks about this, right? Let me define it easier for you. This law existed since 1938. 1938, when Singapore was still under the British colony. 
I believe it was crafted to address homosexual relationship between men, especially uh, among, among the British officers. And, and, and so which there are behaviors which were not socially acceptable during British colonial rule. And noticeably, this law does not address homosexual relationships between females. Do you notice that? 3778 does not address female homosexual relationships. It only addresses male homosexual relationships. And if anybody look for, attempt to act on it, look for uh, services of another fellow male homosexual, so you look at all of this, male prostitute, I mean, so you notice that all these, they are against 3778. So in the last two decades, the issue of 3778 became more intense when many Western countries began to accept the LGBTQ community, especially with the legislation of same-sex marriage in America in 2004. That's almost like 20 years ago. So you can imagine, right, the international pressure, the criticism where many Western developed countries celebrated, they celebrated same-sex marriage while Singapore held on to a law that criminalized homosexual relationships between males. In 2007, after a heated debate in the Singapore Parliament over Section 377A, the government retained it for its symbolic value without proactive enforcement. It was retained for its symbolic value without proactive enforcement in Singapore by the police. This decision was made because of the social norms of the conservative majority's preference for the traditional family. So ever since then, since 2007, the Section 377A was retained, but it would not be enforced for two consenting males behind closed doors. So 15 years later, to the current year of 2022, there was a legal challenge earlier this year against 377A that it was unconstitutional against Article 9, Article 12, and or Article 14 of the Constitution of Singapore. And, and the challenge was that, that Section 377A had breached the equal protection provision in the Constitution. And after uh, going through the court, the Court of Appeal dismissed this latest challenge on the 28th of February. However, the court also mentioned that Section 377A was unenforceable in its entirety. And the, the, the court requested the Attorney General to clarify this further. And that's why in March 2022 this year, in, in Parliament sitting March, in, in, the, in the March Parliament sitting, the Law and Home Affairs Minister, Mr. K. Shamugam, mentioned that the government was considering the best way forward on Section 377A. The concern is that the judicial court may become the battleground for many legal challenges against Section 377A, resulting in other polarizing issues 
in Singapore society. Thereafter, there were many closed-door meetings and engagements between the government and the various communities, such as the religious community, business, and social communities. And of course, uh, I myself was involved in some of these uh, closed-door meetings, and I've, I was involved in at least four of them. <laughs> four closed-door meetings with the ministers. And all the closed-door uh, engagements culminated at the announcement by PM Lee on the repeal of Section 377A at the National Day Rally. So with this formal announcement by PM, we can also see two main groups of activists at work. Two groups of them. The first group supports the repeal of Section 377A and they claim victory for the LGBTQ community after the National Day Rally. This group feels that the LGBTQ community is respected and treated as equal in the eyes of the law. And this group feels that the years of lobbying for their rights has seen result. And this group here, the first group, is made up of mainly the LGBTQ community, activists, and their supporters. Now, there's a second group. Now, the second group wants the definition of the traditional family to be enshrined or to be entrenched in the Constitution of Singapore. Now, the term traditional family refers to a family unit where children are raised by a male father and a female mother. That's the meaning of traditional family in the very simplest form, all right? So this group, the second group, also wants safeguards to be in place before the government remove Section 377A. What are the safeguards? Well, safeguards such as, number one, the freedom to speak one's conviction on moral issues without being cancelled online, without being attacked, without being called names, without being called a bigot just because you stand on religious or personal conviction. That's one of the safeguards. The other safeguard is to ensure that our education, our housing, our adoption policies support traditional family unit. Now, this second group comprises religious communities and pro-traditional family supporters. Now, there are valid reasons for this second group here to ask for safeguards. And why do I say that? Because in some countries, if you study in, in some countries around us, like Australia and in, in, in the, or in the States, in the US, in some of these countries, right, parents, religious leaders, and counselors are banned from counseling a person struggling with his or her birth or, or with his or her birth sex. Essentially, a child is not allowed to hear what the Bible says about one's created birth sex that determines one's agenda. Which means that the Bible has no place in teaching sexuality. And such regulations in some of these countries, right, can be very, very disturbing. Therefore, you can see that I've taken time to explain the timeline of events le leading to where we are today and the two groups of activists that who are, who are active, ac actively right now engaging support for either the safeguarding of our nation uh, before the repeal of 377A and, and another group here, the first group that celebrates the repeal of 377A. Now, given the different sides of the story of Section 377A, 
what should our responses be knowing that it will be repeated? All right, it's a matter of time. The next few months, it will be repeated. And as God's people today, what are the learning points we can take away from this episode? And what does the Bible say about what's happening around us, isn't it? That's more important. Now, let, let me just share with you three learning points. There are many others, but because of time, I've, I've summarized it three learning points, right? The first learning point is this. Be aware of our society's cultural shift towards liberal Western values. We must be aware as God's, uh, as God's people of this shift, the society's cultural shift towards liberal Western values. Now, when I use the term liberal Western values, it is in comparison with traditional values. Let me give you an example right now. In traditional values, we believe that a family is made up of a child or children with a father and a mother. Whereas liberal Western values do not think that it is necessary to have a father and a mother to form a family. It can be two mothers or two fathers who adopt a child to have a family. So we need to be aware that of this shit that's happening in our society towards liberal Western values. And sur surveys have shown a shift in the acceptance of the LGBTQ community in Singapore within the last decade, especially for those of us 30 years and below. Let me show you a survey right now. Now, the survey by the Institute of Policy Studies, this was shown to you last week by Pastor Edric, right? This survey shows that within a short span of six years, from 21, 3, 21, I see just six years, young adults from an age group of 18 to 25 years old who agree that homosexual sex is always wrong, the percentage has dropped significantly from 47.6 to 25.4%. So if you study this statistic, almost 75% of this age group, they do not think that homosexual sex is always wrong. Now, most of you here are below the age of 30 years old. And many of you can identify with this survey results where you realize that your values may be very different from that of your parents. You may, especially when you engage your parents, you realize, hey, how come my parents and I, we have very differing values when it comes to uh, this whole concept of homosexuality. And one of the arguments, right, to retain Section 377A is to preserve a moral standard, a moral marker in our society against immorality. But my question is this, is having Section 377A the best solution when it cannot be enforced and yet immoral values are streamed into every corner of society through mobile devices? Netflix and Disney Plus are both streaming movies with ungodly values into homes through devices that our families are watching and enjoying. While many want a law, a particular law, to preserve morality externally, 
ungodly values. Ungodly values are flooding homes and families through digital technology. Powerful Western media is shaping our minds, desensitizing us to issues and behaviors that your parents' generation cannot accept. You know, recently, I, I know I read uh, the DC Comics. How many of you are DC Comics fan here? Anyone? Only four of you? Five? Okay, how many of you are Marvel, Marvel fans? Marvel, Marvel. Whoa, a lot more Marvel fans. Marvel versus DC Comic, right? And for those of you who are familiar with DC Comic, you know that there's this person called Superman, right? How many know who is Superman? Right? So when most of you know, right? And I, I was reading, uh, somebody sent me a link and I, and I read the article and it says that the coming DC, uh, uh, it's already happened, right? In, in DC Comics, Superman has a son who is a bisexual. So the son is bisexual, you know. And you can see the media world is overtly changing our lenses and reshaping worldviews and values in the next generation. It's no longer Superman, but Superman's son. So you can see the attempt, right, to, to help us to generalize this concept of sexuality, especially something that is not normal in the past, to, to normalize liberal values through the new media. Now, this shift in cultural values is not new and has been happening for decades now, but it is accelerated by digital technology. And many of us are accessing digital technology, digital platform, digital movies, digital shows. And even in the time of Apostle Paul, you must understand in Scripture, Apostle Paul was also constantly fighting the ungodly culture of his days with gospel values. Now, let me read to you right now what Paul did in his time in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It says this, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So you see in this passage here that the Jews were looking for outward signs of power and strength because they were delivered out of Egypt with God's mighty acts. But Christ's death on the cross was seen as a form of weakness rather than power and strength. And as for the Greeks, they were seeking wisdom to reason and to understand the world with their mind. But Christ coming in the flesh and dying on the cross could not be understood and appreciated by the Greeks because to them, it, doesn't, it didn't make sense at all. So the world could not understand the gospel, could not understand the power in the gospel to transform lives. And yet Paul persisted in his time, in his culture, in preaching the gospel because it was the power and wisdom to those who believe. Apostle Paul knew that only the gospel could counter 
the cultural shift towards ungodliness. Only the gospel could stop it. And church, I want you to know that yes, our culture is shifting to accept liberal values of the West, but we can do something about it to counter this shift. So tell neighbor on your left and right, tell neighbor right now, you can do something about it. You can do something about it. And we must, as God's people, we must persist in teaching and preaching the gospel values of Christ to those who believe. Instead of allowing the world to shape our values, we must take the lead to shape and form godly values in our schools, in our campuses, and among our friends, isn't it? Now, how do we then take the lead effectively in, in our culture today? And this leads me right now to my second learning point. And my second learning point is this, be the generation who loves God above the fear of the law. Be the generation who loves God above the fear of the law. You see, the current debate of Section 3778 is about having a law to safeguard our society from embracing behavior, a behavior that is not accepted by the majority. But we know that the law cannot be 100% effective in preventing the change in societal values. A case in point is that of Section 377A itself. 377A will be repealed because the worldview and values have changed towards homosexuality and the rights of the LGBTQ group. And being a secular society, the law cannot be used to enforce our Christian values in Singapore. We must understand that. And there are many other activities that our Bible teaches against, and yet they are legal in Singapore. For example, abortion and prostitution. The Bible teaches against it, but in Singapore, the law allows it. So what am I trying to say? I'm saying, church, that the law of the land cannot be the only safeguard against ungodly values. The law of the land is not a guarantee in preventing social norms from changing in the future. And we must be careful as God's people not to hide behind a law and let the law settle all the problems because we know that it does not. And let's examine right now what happened 15 years ago. 15 years ago when Parliament addressed the issue of Section 3778 in 2007, the government came to a compromise to keep Section 377 but it's not proactively enforced. And over the next 15 years, society has become more tolerant and accepting of the LGBTQ community. And this has led to our topic for today. The latest sexuality surveys in Singapore indicate that our young adults, our teenagers, have deferring values from the older generation. And this was also evident when we had our sexuality series in May this year when we preach about it and we talk about sexuality from the from perspective of the, gospel, of the Bible, where we had pushbacks from different ones of you. 
And this is what I call a healthy pushback, isn't it? A very healthy pushback that shows us that we must disciple and engage all of you with God's Word. Now that section 377A will be repealed, my question for all of us is this. What kind of society do you want to have in the next 10 years? What kind of society do you want to have in the next 10 years? Forget about what's going to happen, what has happened in the past, but look forward right now. In the next 10 years, what kind of society do we want to have? A more liberal society that is self-centered or one that embraces godliness? Because church, the society that we want in the next 10 years begins with us today. It begins with us. I want to tell tell our neighbor right now, it begins with you. It begins with us, my friend. It begins with us today. You see, many petition for the definition of the traditional family to be enshrined in Singapore's constitution. Yes, this is a good way, very good way to ensure a high level of protection to uphold the traditional family. But yet, at the same time, we know that it is not a foolproof method to ensure your generation will embrace a traditional family model. The more scriptural way is to have a greater love of God, a greater love of God than the fear of the law. The Bible has an example of a generation of young people who chose to fear and to love God above the laws of Babylon. Let me read to you right now an account written for us in Daniel chapter 1. It happens in Babylon. It says in Daniel 1, 8 this, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. He drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor, favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in the worse condition than the youths who are of your own age group? So you would endanger my head with the king. Verse 11, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over, his, over Daniel and his friend Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He says this, Test your servant for 10 days. Very bold. Daniel told the chief, are you not? Give us 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. How many of you like only vegetables and water? Very good. This is called Daniel fast, right? Really a Daniel's fast. I, I believe they are vegans, right? Verse 13. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths youths who ate the king's food. 
So the steward took away their food and, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So you see in this passage here that Daniel and his generation of young adults were determined. They were determined not to defile themselves with the king's food. Yes, it was the best food, that, but these food were non-kosher. They were non-kosher. You see, back in the land of Israel, the Jews were instructed to eat only kosher food. Now that this group of Jewish young adults were exiled into a foreign land under the powerful Babylonians, they could not have access to kosher food. It was the law of the land to eat whatever the king had provided for you. And they knew that not eating the king's food could bring them trouble. But this, young, this group of young people, they loved God and they feared Him more than the fear for the law of the land. So what did they do? They asked for permission. They asked for permission to selectively eat only certain food and not all the food placed before them. And God granted them favor with their superiors, and they ate vegetables, fruits, and water. Like what I say, possibly a vegan diet. And God then granted them success, and they looked and performed better than the rest of their peers. And as I examine this story today, I believe, young people, I believe, next gen, I want you to know that I believe that it is possible to have a generation of of young people like yourself who loves and honors Christ more than their lives. I believe all my heart that. In a very difficult situation like, like an exile in Babylon, God could raise a generation who feared Him, who loved Him more. I pray that you will be the generation of the Daniel, the Hananiah, the Ezra, and the Mishael. A generation who lives in the Babylonian culture of the world and yet not afraid to be God's people. A generation today who will not be defiled by the world and honor God through your godly convictions. A generation who will thrive in the world and yet love God more than, them, more than yourselves. A generation who hungers and studies God's Word with all of your heart and lives out what God has commanded. I believe you can be that generation. Can somebody say amen? Tell a neighbor on your left and right, tell a neighbor right now, let's be that generation. That's right. That generation who loves God more than the fear of the law. And with that, let me now move on to the third learning point now. And my third learning point is this. Be courageous as Christ images in society. Be courageous as Christ images in society. And let me read to you right now in Genesis 1, 26, where it says this, Then God said, let us make men in our image. 
after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the bits of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, we said before from this pulpit that human beings are all created in God's image. We have expounded this passage before, and, and we said very clearly that everyone, all human beings are created in God's image. And the concept of imaging refers to the status that all of us have. The status in representing the Creator by having dominion on earth over creation. And God has given us this status to both believers and pre-believers in creation. Listen carefully, God has given everyone, right? Both believers and pre-believers, this status to rule and reign on earth. The difference is that believers, you and I, Christians, we have Christ to model after and become, to become Christ's images. And that's why we often use this term in our discipleship, to become like Jesus Christ. And as believers, we have the privilege to model after our Lord Jesus Christ, to become like Him. And as Christ's images today, we live with kingdom values and we exert godly influence in all that we do. At the same time, we also know that many around us do not subscribe to and share the same kingdom values as us. We know that, right? And section 377A is one of these differences. And I want you to know, young people, that there will be many other polarizing issues that we will face in the secular state of Singapore in the near future. There will be many other polarizing issues. And as we encounter these differences in values, we must not forget that those who have opposing values, they are also created in God's image. Remember that. Those with opposing values, they are also created in God's image. Whether one is pro-family or one is pro-LGBTQ community, that person is created in God's image. Everyone is created in God's image even though we may not share the same values with every group out there. As each side expresses one's values and conviction, we must learn. We must learn to disagree respectfully and yet stand firm on our Christian beliefs and conviction. We disagree respectfully, but we stand firm in what the Bible is or has taught us. And we must not allow the current 377A episode to bring greater divide between the church and other groups. We must create safe spaces for differing groups to speak their convictions without cancelling or attacking one another. We shouldn't be, isn't it? However, when there are issues that disturb us, especially when it involves moral decadence, we must have the courage to speak up as God's people. We must have the courage to speak up whenever there's moral decadence. 
in Singapore, we have our special way of doing it, isn't it? We don't express our concerns through street protests and rally. We don't. We do it in closed-door session, and we engage our authorities respectfully. And as God's people, right, we must be courageous to speak up on our biblical convictions and live out what we believe. If we are truly the salt and light of the world, we must not shy away from influencing our society towards godliness. We must not be afraid of that. But we must do so without demeaning fellow images of God. We must not demean others. You see, at the end of the day, think with me carefully. At the end of the day, our desire is to bring as many fellow images to become like Jesus Christ. We agree to disagree so that we can reach out to them better. And let's be gracious, gracious to others while living courageously as God's people in our society. So tell our neighbor right now, be Christ's images. Now, let me share an illustration that's been used in a recent engagement of Section 377A, and with this, I will end. I've heard this illustration used many times, and I'm going to address it because some have said that Section 377A is likened to a moat surrounding a castle. Just in case you're wondering, Pastor, where's a moat? Well, the moat is the deep waters surrounding the castle, right? Every time you see a castle picture, especially a, a castle in, in UK, you go, you go visit a castle, you will see always a, a, a moat surrounding it. That means the deep waters surrounding the castle. Now, the moat serves to prevent a castle from being attacked easily by the enemies. So the moat slows down the enemies and deters them from coming near the castle too easily. So the moat also allows the defenders of the castle to attack the enemies from a higher and more advantageous point. And many have likened Section 377A to be the moat that is protecting the castle of our families and our country. And the fear is this, that the moment we remove Section 377A, we'll remove the protection against the onslaught of ungodly values against our families. But is this a correct depiction of what has happened in our society in the last 15 years since Section 377 was first raised in Parliament? You know, as a father with three children, I realized that I could not solely depend on Section 377A. Even with its existence in the last 15 years since it was raised, my family is not protected from ungodly values infiltrating through social media and digital platforms. The enemy today does not need to swim across any moat to come near the castle of our homes. The enemy today is already in our homes through our Wi-Fi and data plan subscription. They are already there. The weapon of the enemy has changed. And as a parent, I know I cannot remove computers, mobile phones, unless I take my children out of society, out of schools, 
and out of their friends. But I can't. I can't because my children must be in the world and yet not of the world. And the only way to resolve this is not to, not to rely solely on the moat of the law to deal with issues of values. The values of traditional family must be entrenched. It must be enshrined through the discipleship of God's Word in our lives. Let me say it one more time. The values of traditional family must be entrenched through the discipleship of God's Word in our lives. Can somebody say amen? And let me summarize right now all that I've shared thus far, how to live beyond section 377A. Number one, to preserve, to preserve godly values in our community, we must be aware of our society's cultural shift towards liberal Western values. Number two, be the generation who loves God above the fear of the law. Number three, be courageous as Christ's images in society. And with this, I want all of us to stand right now all over this place. And I want to lead all of us to a time of prayer. With this right now, I know there's, there's a Q&A section, but before we move into that, I want to lead us in time of prayer. A, a time of prayer for our nation, for ourselves as Christ's images. I want us to come together to pray right now. And, and, and let's begin prayer for ourselves. Let's pray and ask the Lord for the courage to be Christ's images, to represent Him in our society, in our schools, in our campuses, among our friends, among our families. And let's pray that we will have the courage to stand firm as Christ, with Christian conviction and not waver whenever the environment is unfavorable or hostile to our faith. And maybe... It may even be among our friends right now, among our schoolmates right now, among our relatives right now, that we will stand strong with our Christian convictions and be the Daniel generation that does not waver when things are difficult and challenging. Come all over this place, would you lift your hands right now? I want you to pray for yourself. Say, God, help me to stand strong. Where you are right now, would you pray? Say, God, help me to stand strong in my, in my conviction. In the values of your word, may I stand strong. I want you to pray right now. Because this prayer is meant for every one of us to respond and say, God, when it's difficult, I will not waver. When it's challenging, I will stand strong. When they are deferring and opposing values, God, I will look to your word and stand strong upon your word. Come on, I want you to pray right now. Come on, young people, I want you to pray. Young adults, I want you to pray right now. I want you to pray and say, God, help me to stand strong and not to waver. Help me to be like Daniel and his friends to stand strong upon the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, you hear the prayers of your people today. May you honor the prayers of every person in the name of Jesus. And out from here, I pray that you will raise a generation that will honor you, who will love you and, and, and fear you more than the law of the land. So may you raise a generation among us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The second area I want us to pray right now together is to pray for our nation. We thank the Lord for His blessing over our nation, all that we have enjoyed because of God's hand of favour and also for giving us a good government. And let's pray that our nation and our government will always have the courage 
to pursue righteousness and to make decisions that will bless this generation and beyond. Come on, where you are, I want you to lift your hands and pray right now. Pray for our country. Pray for our government right now. Bless them. That God will grant us good and godly leaders who will lead the nation forward in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's right. Pray right now for our, our nation. Pray for our government. Pray that righteousness will exhort Singapore. That we will have leaders, governmental leaders, who will, ex- who will lift up righteousness. So this nation will be exalted by the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for Singapore. We pray for our governmental leaders. Lord, may you place godly men and women who will always, who will learn, who will, who, will up, who will uplift righteousness so that you will bless Singapore for your purpose and glory. So we ask that you will always look, look Lord, you will raise a generation of governmental leaders who are, who are courageous as well. Courageous to pursue righteousness. Courageous to do the right thing for our generation and beyond. So we bless our governmental leaders with wisdom to navigate the cultural wars around us and to do what's best in line with your purpose and will. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen, amen, amen. Can somebody say amen?